Welcome to another episode of Postgrad Space with me, Valerie Odiambu. Now, if you know me, you know that I am a sucker for yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> you also know, or might not know this, but I am a sucker for love. I mean, I enjoy seeing two people who are enjoying the company of each other in in love, in truth, and just seeing that makes my heart mellow. But I am often concerned on why the bulk of campus relationships don't make it to the next step. On this week's episode, I speak to a psychologist, Christopher Hart, who shares his insights on why they don't make it. He also shares ways on how we should look at relationships maturely after campus. And yeah, I think these are things we were never taught or things that we look at and say that, yeah, this is not me. So we tend to sideline such issues. But I hope that from this episode, it will just help you in your next phase and you can get to that level where the both of you are just enjoying your relationship to its maximum well a psychologist of course um although i actually came to psychology in midlife i was a believe it or not an industrial chemist for quite a number of years and then in my late 30s i decided to retrain and went to college um, I was a management consultant for about 10 years to pay for all that, you know, because uh, <laughs> college is expensive. Yeah. And um, when I qualified, I actually worked in trauma for quite a number of years. Uh, people who mm. had accidents, people who were very ill, people who been the victims of violence, that type of thing. Uh, but gradually, you know, people kept coming to me and saying help me with my relationship or help me with social skills issues and so slowly I migrated there and Mm. that's where I've been for the last 20 odd years. Is it something you envisioned while you were growing up or you just found an interest within life? I tell you um, absolutely not if you'd have asked me when I was 16 or something was I going to be a psychologist you know I laughed it just (laughs) wasn't me at all I was a total techie nerd and to be honest psychology itself was a real mess in those days they were still in the days of experiments you know on animal behavior and they didn't believe in the, the brain as a cognitive thing you know they just observed behavior boring 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 and so I wouldn't I'd have never done it but then some years later when I was in my mid-30s it had changed and I got exposed to psychology again at that time thought this is actually really interesting and gradually the the idea took root so definitely not not a career I planned (laughs) do you think like the market right now is ready for psychologists um globally Yes. I mean, in, in mm. the West, West, heavily westernized countries, I mean, it's huge. But um, in places like Kenya, it's, it's relatively new. People haven't completely got their minds mm-hmm. around it yet. Um, just to give you some numbers, I mean, in, in the UK, for example, I think there are currently 46,000 psychologists. 
Kenya fully trained, you know, really, really properly trained, I would think the numbers are down below a thousand. Mm -hmm. you, see, you see what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's coming slowly, but you know, it's it's definitely growing. People are more yeah. aware. They are seeking out counselors, coaches. Actually, it's moving more towards coaching than counseling. You know, counseling used to be listen and you figure it all out for yourself. Coaching is more directive. Yeah. It's more, have you tried this technique? What about doing it this way? And I think that's becoming the way forward. And that's, that's taking root in Kenya. I know when most of us finish campus, we get into a space where we don't know much in terms of long distance relationships. Because I think when we're in school, you meet a guy and you live in Kisumu and school gives you that platform to meet but after that yes. it becomes a big story yes how, how can people match such or how well, can they live with that okay I mean that's not the first time it happens to most people I mean an awful lot of people mm -hmm. come to college having had a sweetheart in form four and yeah. the sad thing is, you just think what happened. Most of them split up, didn't they? It's very That's rare true. for a Form 4 relationship to survive into college. And even, even if you go to the same college. And the reason isn't anything to do with distance. It's about the way we change in, in that period of our lives. You know, when you go to college, you become a different person. Yeah. And so the person you were in your Form 4 relationship is gone. And so you perhaps don't get along any well, very well anymore. Now, the same thing happens when you leave. When you mm -hmm. leave college, you go into the world of work. And it's a big struggle because you're changing so fast. So my first comment is that most relationships don't survive. Okay. The yeah. second yeah. thing is that if you are determined, then you've got to work on staying the same people that you were, or at least moving in parallel. So, for example, it helps enormously if you stay in touch professionally, that you are you know, un understanding the way in which each of you are changing as you go into the world of work, the different organizations you go to work for. And only then yeah. do you have to start thinking about how do you stay in touch and so on, you know, the actual mechanics of, of continuing the relationship. Does that make sense? It does, it does. But I'm just thinking, are there usually signs on an ending relationship in terms of long distance? Yes. Um, the most important one is that people aren't actually communicating. You know, when a couple really like each other, they do communicate yeah. very effectively. And they communicate on two or three different levels. Like they've yeah. developed, they've developed uh, a messaging habit. They send messages to each other during the course of the day, and they're comfortable with the way they respond to them. You know, I mean, some okay. couples respond immediately; others respond after an hour or two. But there's definitely a feeling of connection the whole way through. And then there's another level of vision, which is that they spend half an hour or so every night just quietly chatting in a, in a way that they might have done in real life. Now, if those two habits mm. disappear or don't properly establish themselves or people start vanishing, disappearing off the radar, that's the sign that the things are coming to an end. Yes. 
I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's the man, the man or the woman. If somebody isn't there for your nightly half hour, well, I think that's a pretty strong indication that you're not uppermost in their thoughts. Anymore. Does that factor in one being busier than the other? <laughs> or yeah, yeah, the you, rules that have been established? But, but you know, the reality is, if you're serious about a relationship, it is your highest priority. Mm. And you will find a way to, to, to meet up and answer each other's messages and so on. And if that's not happening, then you're not mm -hmm. the first priority. And so obviously something else is. And it doesn't matter whether it's your work or another person or some flirting that's going on with a, with a third party. It, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. It's a sign that things are coming to an end. Wow. Yeah, there's another layer. Um, couples who are going to make it actually plan to be together. They don't just enjoy the long distance relationship. They are actually mm. moving their lives consciously towards being able to live together, even if that might be several years away. So they start yeah. thinking about searching for jobs in the same city or, or whatever it would take to get back together. And they start to make them happen. Now, if those conversations aren't happening, then that's a pretty strong indication that things aren't going to work out. Mm, that's interesting to note. <laughs> yes. You know, couples who are successful talk to one another in a different way from couples who are just having fun. That's what I'm really trying to say. For People example, should really mm -hmm. yeah, yes, they should really think about that because couples who are successful just enjoy each other's company. So they just, they don't have to make a big song and dance about being together and they can be together and talk about rubbish it doesn't really matter what they're enjoying is, <laughs> is is just the fact that they can see one another talk to one another mm -hmm. maintain the connection and they talk a lot about the future yeah. they, they really do plan what they're going to do they know what they're going to do you see what i mean and if for example that's a difficult conversation to have yeah they don't like talking about the future then that's a strong indication that they don't have one and it, it's very important to say that thing I said a moment ago, which is that uh, the bulk of college romances do end. Partly, I mean, there's two reasons for that. I, I mentioned one of them. We change so yes. much as we start work. You know, you, you yeah. think about it. The mood on campus is laid back fun i mean okay people get stressed about exams but yeah. generally speaking on a day-to-day -day basis people are laid back and all the rest of it then you think of the world of work the world of work's not like that and people get very tuned in to the corporate objectives they drink the kool-aid you know they begin to turn into corporate animals and yeah. if i'm working for x corp and you're working for y corp then we're drinking different kool-aid <laughs> you see what i mean yeah that's true. <laughs> so there's that very much, and it makes a big difference. Cool. Another uh, thing be maybe the guy doesn't want to settle as fast as the lady. So actually, that... actually, it's usually the other way round. That's the oh, other thing okay. I was going to say. Men and women, educated men and women, yeah. have a different time scale for getting married than they used to. Now, it used to be, you, you think about your great-grandmother, it mm. used to be that people married early, you know, they were married as soon as they were financially able. Mm. 
which usually okay. meant that the woman was actually quite young, but the man was a bit older, like he was in his mid to late 20s, and he had established himself, whether it was a job or he got enough cows or whatever it took. Mm. He, as soon as he could, was able to take a wife, he'd take one, and she would be quite a bit younger. Now, mm -hmm. that's completely changed. Now, both want to wait, but the yeah. woman wants to wait longer than the man. In other words, he tends to stick to his traditional timescale, which is not about his age. It's about his ability to be established. So a okay. guy, two or three years after he has started his career, he starts to think, OK, I've, I've cracked this. I've got a good job. I've perhaps been promoted. I'm well established. He starts thinking about a wife and a family, but she wants to delay yeah. beyond that time, which is why you see so many ladies in their 30s who haven't married. And this is restricted to the educated women. Do you see what I mean? I mean, the, the lady who lives in a village in Siaya is still getting married young. <laughs> true, but true. her sister in Nairobi is not. So now imagine a couple are going through campus together they're the same age and they go off into the world of work and they convince they're going to get married and three or four years later he's beginning to talk about it he's now 27 yeah. 28 years old and she is sort of you know i'm not so sure about this and i'm afraid that's all driven by money she's aware yeah. that the moment she has a family she will start to slip off the promotion ladder it because is... different interests have also come in play yes she is not quite as turned on by her job she is now dividing her time between her children and her job and everybody knows this happens and if you look at the graphs of achievement say income mm. you'll notice that women track men exactly all the way through their 20s and then the women start to fall behind and it's because of families. You get the idea. Now, most young women know this, and so they delay that moment because, of course, money's mm. involved. Now you see that the, the you see what's going to happen at 27, 28, 29. He's talking about getting married, and she's saying, "Nah, it's too soon. Yeah, wait." Yeah. And, and generally speaking, men won't wait. When a man gets an idea in his head, he starts thinking, <laughs> and, and it becomes the only thing he can think about. And so I hate telling you this, but he starts going off and looking for somebody who's ready to get married, somebody who's perhaps not quite so ambitious and so on. So another problem comes in where maybe the lady was not ambitious enough and the guy goes, hops uh, into that relationship and it doesn't work. There's, there's a gap. How, how do we bridge that gap? The woman wanting maybe to get married and the guy wanting to get married. Well, it, it actually doesn't matter. You know, I hate to say this, it sounds terribly sexist, but yeah. if you think about it, women care passionately about their men's status, income, the, the way they're conducting their career. So mm -hmm. they value intelligence very highly. So a guy, for example, who's obviously got a good sense of humour and he's mm -hmm. really connecting with his work and all the rest of it, He's the guy the girls will chase. The mm. point is, they don't give a damn. <laughs> I'm afraid they go for youth and beauty and yeah. that's it. Now, okay. obviously, they look for 
kindness. They look for affection. Intelligence is nice, but they don't mind if it's not there. And they don't care at all about education. You see what I mean? And this sounds awful cynical, but I'm sorry. It's the way I think so (laughs) why. That's a truth that we still have. It's hard to swallow, but yeah. It's it's true. And it's the reason, for example, why so many doctors, male, marry so Mm. many nurses, female. Because that satisfies them both, you see. They've both got exactly what they want. She's got a guy with a big career and a big income. And he's got a lovely, caring lady who's not quite so ambitious. Meanwhile, Mm. the ladies who are doctors struggle to find somebody to marry, you see, because they leave it too late. Does that make sense? (laughs) It it does make sense. Terrible truth. (laughs) Yes. Now, I have to say that although, of course, we're all worried sick about COVID, I've got a nasty feeling that it's actually going Mm. to solve that problem. Because now I want you to imagine a world in which everybody works no more than 50% of their time in the office and the rest of Mm. the time they're at home Suddenly, all those childcare issues and focus and 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 disappear. <laughs> so I have, I have a sneaking feeling that people are going to campaign vigorously to stay working from home, at least part time. Yeah. And so everything that I've just said is about to change. Maybe it'll take five years to show up in the statistics, but you get. And of course, I think that'll be a big benefit for everybody. So what I'm getting getting from this conversation is that men and women look at relationships differently, especially after campus. Yes. And how how do we look at it maturely? Because, yes, in campus, you are more laid back, having fun. Well, I mean, first of all, you have to face life square in the eye. You, you, you mustn't kid yourself about what's going on. So Mm -hmm. a couple, for example, who leave campus and start talking about the real world and the way they are changing and what are they going to do about it and how are they going to cope with these timescale issues and so on. They're Mm -hmm. going to succeed. That's what maturity is all about, isn't it? Maturity is about looking at life as it really is and solving the real problems, not being all romantic and hoping that everything will work. So everything I have said is not really true of highly self-aware individuals who talk together about the real problems. I mean, they are the most successful people on the planet, quite obviously, not just in terms (laughs) of relationships. I mean, they're Mm. the people who do extremely well in work. They're the people who do well socially. They're the people whose families grow up to be tremendous people and so on. Self-awareness and the ability to look at life as it really is is a major mature po- maturing point in life, isn't it? All of yeah. us, let's be blunt, when we're teenagers, we all think we're going to be king or queen and meet our princes and all the other, you know. <laughs> yeah. But by the age of 25, you've got to have started to see life as it really is. And it's the people who've done that who succeed. For someone who has gone through a rough patch, maybe they, they thought that their relationship would last and it didn't work for them. What would be the best way forward? Are you talking about somebody who's post, post-college post and, and they've had one of those breakups we just talked about? Yes, yeah, I mean, they've actually got a slightly different problem from someone who 
was engaged to be married and then their spouse, sorry, their fiance went off and did something wicked and so they broke up. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. I mean, that's a total heartbreak, isn't it? But the, the person who is breaking up with a boyfriend, girlfriend who they've known in college ought to start the reality field adjustment thing. You know, they ought to be saying to themselves, OK, this was coming. This was inevitable. I'm going to be I'm going to stay friends with this person and we're going to stay buddies. But clearly our lives are on different tracks. Yeah. You see what I mean? So they shouldn't go and do the oh gosh, heartache thing they yeah. should act they should actually look at it as a well okay i should have known this was going to happen and now i've just got to adjust just in the same way as you come out of college convinced you're going to get a job as a ceo straight away and you discover <laughs> that life isn't really like that <laughs> true <laughs> guys look at relationships in terms of money uh, what do you mean in terms women. of money let me put it this way. Most <laughs> women... I'm about to be offended on behalf of all men. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's very tricky because uh, some, some women will say that they will not date uh, a younger man because they don't have money. Sure. And men will want to work hard to get the money to get the women. <laughs> I mean, You've just summed it's up the whole of life. How do you go about it? Aren't there any true people in terms of relationships? Or is it a primary thing in relationships? It's, it's, I'm, I hate to tell you this. It's very deep-seated in the way our brain is wired. You mm. know, you, you go back to a primitive tribe in the Amazon jungle that's never seen a college or anything like that, and you look at the women. Who do they choose as their menfolk? The best hunters, of course, you know, they're thinking yeah. about providing for their children. So they look for the guy who's got the status and the skills mm -hmm. to provide. And status in the sense of he wins the fights, you know, with the other guys and so on. I hate to tell you this, but women still do that in Nairobi. They look mm -hmm. for the guy who's winning amongst the, the men. It's the guy who wins amongst the world of men. Right now, the men, yeah. I hate to tell you this, they don't do that calculation at all. They don't want the winners amongst the women. They want the prettiest woman. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a crazy it, world. It's a crazy world. Yes, but it does make sense. Oof. I mean, forget Disney princesses, you know. I mean, the real world <laughs> is about, well, think of it this way. It would be mm -hmm. lovely to be able to marry the penniless poet. He probably is a very, very nice guy, but if he can't pay the mortgage, what's the point? You see, it's as blunt as that. Even if the person has vision? If that vision has obviously got dollar signs attached to it, yeah. <laughs> you see, I mean, Steve Jobs must have sat in that category. At the age of 20, he was a total lunatic. He was a bit of a beatnik. He was a dropout from college. He was hanging around a college and just going to the lectures without actually being registered. He must have been a total time waster. But yeah. I bet he was deadly attractive to the girls because it was quite obvious he had a vision to start a computer company and people will have smelt success all over him. You get what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But if your penniless poet is talking about publishing thin volumes of 
poetry that don't sell, obviously you ain't going to get many girlfriends. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think we just need to look at relationships maturely. That's that's what I'm getting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Reality. Face them as they really are. And they, unfortunately, don't follow the Disney princess route. You know, they, they are all about practical realities of life. The moment you're on that track and you and your fiancé are talking like that, you'll probably succeed. You'll probably solve the problems. Mm-hmm. But there will be some no-goes, you know. In other words, if your fiancé is lazy as sin and drinks all the money on a Friday night, you're not going to make mm-hmm. it. This was a really tough call to do or to have, but I'm glad that I had it and I'm glad that I have learned something from Chris and I hope you did too. Let's keep doing this. I know that this is a topic that cannot be done in one episode but I hope to do it again and yeah just get to learn life and just to get to understand things in a mature perspective. Till next time guys. (laughs) Bye.